Welcome everyone to the Self-Improvement Podcast, where we share self-help principles, ideas, and lessons to help adolescents navigate through life better with more passion and success. This is your host, Ian. Joined with him today is Dalton, and we have a special guest with us as well. Alex, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Alex Hulka. Um, I work at the United Nations for 22 years in New York City, but I'm taking advantage of working from home since my kids live here in Keene. Um, it's a nice community, nice environment, good air, water, so I do my work much more smoothly here, uh, in spite of New York City also has its um, beauties, but I feel much uh, at this stage much much round up here working yeah mm-hmm. um, I also want to say thank you so much for your time um, we, we do appreciate your time and being here with us because I know you have a lot of uh, life experience and different perspectives right because like me you know I, I grew up in a third world country in the Middle East uh, specifically Syria and I got to see that side of the world and then come here get um complete my high school diploma and now investing in myself and learning different things um but what has like your education journey what did it look like and what are some things that if you were able to change you would go back in time and change if that were a possibility yeah well the first part of your question is uh i i realize it's a long road but not only long but also um very um treacherous sometimes um, because sometimes you have to uh, I had to do routes that I was didn't want to follow the routes when I finished at 21 years old my college in Peru mm-hmm. I didn't find a job for two years and I had to study business my MBA in Peru only because that assures you 100% you're going to get a good job which I that's what I wanted in order to continue my dreams for a um, higher level of uh, advanced studies on economics of my career, which is what I do now for the past 22 years. So before that, um, that job I got uh, in New York in, in the United Nations, I work as a professor in several colleges in, in New York and also in Peru I, I taught at the master's level um, for the students of master's in administration. Uh, I, st- I taught uh, economics, mm-hmm. macroeconomics. Um, now, if I had to do the second part of your question, is is very very interesting because um, if I had to do it again, um, I will try to probably to get more plans mm. before spontaneity. I did a lot of uh, spontaneity because I had to so many. Um, ball to juggle sometimes when between the 20 and 25 um, but um, yeah that I would plan a little bit more ahead you know? I did like uh, I do like to plan but uh, in Peru there's a lot of issues going on economics uh, I was not coming from parents who have um, economic security um, so also we, I was the first one in my, I'm still the first one of my family, of my brothers and sisters, so 
I had more responsibilities to do. I had to learn cook, to cook at 12, 14 years old, cook for, for my brothers and sisters, um, and then besides studying. Uh, I had to carry water between six years old until 10 years old in a place called Chimbote before we arrived to the capital in Lima. Uh, because there was no water, no sanitation in my, in my place. So we have to have my daddy who had to carry much um, heavier uh, uh, containers of water, but still my brother and myself, uh, twins, had to carry that water like five blocks from our home every morning before going to school. Um, and so I, I think uh, in a way and at this stage working for this organization, uh, it, it was a training actually. Instead of just uh, until I arrived here, I was still struggling to do my um, master's and PhD in economics. And until 10 years ago, I didn't understand that that was just a preparation. That was a training. It's like a boot camp mm. all, all my life. Uh, since I was a baby, when my parents and my grandmother said that I was several times in risk of dying, uh, for, for diseases that in developing countries are pretty often, uh, where like stomach, uh, digestive systems or respiratory things, things that, that you know, poor people get, get them more often. So I think there was a preparation because I got sturdy and more resilient and resilient. I wouldn't recommend anybody to get to that process to get to where I am. I think uh, it, it robbed many years of my life to get through those. It was a preparation and training, and I had that satisfaction right now, but at the same time, uh, why a human being has to get through those processes to arrive what they like to do, or their talents, uh, they could develop much uh, smoother, right? So, yeah. So, there are many types of ways to uh, educate yourself or to become more educated such as word of mouth or orally, then you have school, which would be more of a formal type of education. What type of education did you have primarily when you were growing up? Well, I had uh, first uh, was the oral education from my mother and my father. They had a lot of, uh, tons of storytelling um, from the jungle, from the Andes, from any place from brothers, from their brothers, my uncles, my aunts, from my grandmother's stories. So it's, it's full of stories, my, uh, my first education. Um, and through those, through those stories, since are life stories, they are real stories where you learn how to solve issues, how they solve the, the, the moments, how they celebrate the moments, how they pass their sadness. And so all those things brings you uh, it's like a teachings from your parents without themselves uh, expressly thinking that they're educating you. Actually, they're passing that that culture and then ways of solving things and how to face problems, how to have a view of the problems more positive still to continue yeah. improving. You know, it sounds like That's probably amazing. you know that. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I had something like that. It's the first time when I arrived here in this country, 32 years ago, that I found the, the word a depression, that people get depressed. I didn't know what that means, that word. Whoa. Really? That's no, crazy. I'm I'm serious, I'm not exaggerating. Depression, say, what, what does it mean? Still I have problems to understand. Mm -hmm. 
But now I understand better that people, why they get depressed. Mm -hmm. But uh, there was no time for depression for us. It, it was always ways to create, to, to solve problems. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. as a first son, uh, you have the responsibility to, when you take care of your, your brothers or sisters, or you are going to cook later, well, that is problem solving. I, mean, I have an, several anecdotes that my parents had to go away because they lost their money or something they had went to look for in the place they, 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 they think they lost it. And I was with my brother and sister in a, in a place of my grandfather's in, in a little house in a, a little town and not having money and 15 years old and not uh, knowing where we are going to feed each, each other because we knew that in uh, my parents, mm -hmm. our parents would be probably all day outside. Mm -hmm. And I was with four brothers, uh, four brothers and sisters. So what I saw is like, a, I said, my, our grandfather, once I saw him, that he uh, saves potatoes in sacks and the, in the same room where he sleeps, but in the upper part, so that the, the mice would not enter so easily. Okay, and also I noticed outside is still could he cultivated corn. Mm -hmm. So they say, okay, we can do something. <laughs> I can do something. I never also, as 15 years old, never tried cooking from uh, with wood, you know, in a pot that was my ma grandfather. It's just they just went in the margin to look for that money they lost, mm -hmm. uh, dropping it. So before somebody takes it, you know, so then they just left us, you know, to, to be there. So that's the, I did solve, and it was a good soup because when they come back, my mother tried and she said, "This is delicious." <laughs> Have you ever cooked uh, prior to that? Uh, I did, yeah, I did because I was already 15, and I started mm -hmm. to do my first uh, tryings at 12. But at 14 was official. Mm -hmm. My mother used to started to work outside home, and then said, "Okay, you are going to buy the groceries today. This is this. Let's make a list." And then you're going to cook, huh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Man. And then you can come outside just yes, to, to play or to swim or something. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to point something out too, like as you were telling your story, especially like when it came to depression and how that was like surprising to you at first. I think it's because, and I can relate to this because, you know, I've been in a third world country. Um, I think that's the case because, like, we've seen the other side and we're so grateful for what we have now um, especially like with education right. like if I were back in my home country education would have been a lot harder there there are colleges um, there is an educational system is it the best maybe not um, mm. but like being here opened up opportunities where I could learn in non-traditional ways mm. where I could Find, find mentors both in person and online and learn and invest in myself differently and, and, and think differently right um, and I think I think we shouldn't take education for granted no ever especially public education public education is great here it's not I, it's not nothing is perfect but it's like yeah it, it's great yeah, I, I, one of the differences, for example, that I noticed when I just arrived here, and, and the poor people, they, they can also go to public college, mm -hmm. uh, uh, public schools in general, uh, primary, secondary, and, and but 
they always have books in the in the libraries in the in the schools uh, all the time the problem for parents in, in in peru was that they didn't have enough money to buy all the books on all the notebooks on all the pencils that they needed mm. so what happens is that in the school the kids steal each other steal their um, books uh, but pens it was more often because with pens or pencils is uh, somehow the teacher would not be just all day would be just discussing about that who, who did it who still mm. but the books is, is is much more difficult because they have to use the book they cannot hide it right the pencil you can give to another uh, friend or brothers or sister in a different school or in a different room or something right? you can make it appear that it's a different if you just, <laughs> just yeah. do something to the pencil or something right yeah but uh, everything the parents have to respond with it. And our desk with my twin brother, my parents did it. Because otherwise we were sitting in on bricks. I'm not kidding. That's, that's first year of primary school. Second, uh, the first year is uh, transition. It's not really first, yeah? It's like a kindergarten, but they call it transition. Then it comes the first year, second year. So my parents had to buy in the first year, in, the, in when we changed school to the, the second year, also uh, buy their our, the desk, and I mean to get the carpenter basically to make one desk for both of us, for my brother and myself. Mm. So, so you have to put your parents are active members for you to study, not only feeding you, but also actually uh, buying all all the materials you need to study. And uh, still, we didn't have, uh, the first years of primary school, the first two, three years, we didn't have uh, electricity. We had uh, to use uh, candles. Candles, yeah. When I, I just that. say this thing, and this mo at this very moment, I mm -hmm. feel like, am I inventing this thing? Mm -hmm. No, it was true. So it Alex, more normal in Peru to say that story, but not here. So Alex, you, Growing up in Peru, you didn't have a lot of amenities. You didn't have a lot of education, formal education tools. And even though you had those hardships, you were able to use you and your parents, your resourcefulness to still gain as much as you could from the situation you were in. And now you're here in the U.S. as a member of the U.N. So it's not necessarily about what you don't have. It's about what you do with what you do have. Exactly. Yeah, no. It, it is um, it's the philosophy also the parents and the, the, the indigenous people and, and all the people who are migrants also. When you are a migrant, you know, believe it or not, you know where you are living. So it's a huge step, it's a huge leap, but we are very conscious why we are doing it that day. So we are not going, it's a big risk, but at the same time, we, yeah. we would put day and night of work and focus to make it happen. So to teach to teach this kid, for example, to teach uh, your kids to go forward. So it's a philosophy. So you get inspired by that philosophy, but not only because they're teaching you that philosophy. They don't teach you that philosophy. They, they teach you by doing it, by, by example. So it's, it's uh, because they are doing it every day. They wake up your parents at 5 o'clock in the morning. They go back at 11 o'clock p.m. And still the mother is, is asking how is going your school and still are managing juggling different balls. So you, you, you don't have time and you don't have this culture from the, even from their 
grandparents because this doesn't start with our parents. Our grandparents also, we, we know the histories, oral histories, how they made it. That's it. My grandmother from my mother's side uh, got widow, became widow when she was 45 and with six mm. kids. Oh. And all of that six kids had to migrate with my grandmother to different places because it was difficult to stay in one place until she was expelled to the street. So there was families first, friends, and then all of them, they got tired because there are six kids. You know, they have to eat, you know, they have to play and sleep. So, so they give you, family gives you temporarily, but not forever, right? So this kind of a, um, braveness, this kind of a mystic uh, desire for uh, getting better, or, or what I would call in the language of the UN, freedom from want. So freedom from hunger, to look for freedom from hunger. Not freedom of conscience, but freedom from hunger. That is a big, big, deep desire of a migrant, for example, because they don't accept defeat. They say, this, we are not going to die of hunger here. And it happened in the US also. Several migrations have been from the south to the north or from the east to the west, you know? Um, and so that's where the ethic of the migrant comes. It comes from parents, grandparents, and family relations. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, those are I can respond to you. you know. yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I, I relate to some of it, not all of it, because obviously I'm from a different generation. Sure. But I, I related, like when you said that you had to study, you know, just using candles, and that's all you had because there was an outage. Like I still remember those moments. Right. And right. now I like have a computer. There's always electricity. There's water. Right. It's it's amazing. Like I still connect with that feeling, and it's a very strong, like powerful type of gratitude because yeah. it's so basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a strong motivation. It's easy to think about what you don't have in life. Yeah. And be like, "Woe is me," you know? Like, "Oh, I don't have a parent around in life," or. You know, my girlfriend left me, or I'm not going to the right. greatest of schools, or my teachers aren't helping me much. And, right. you know, that's not what's going to drive you forward towards success or towards improvement. What's going to drive you forward towards improvement is figuring out what you can do to achieve what you want. Mm -hmm. Right and realize that things could be worse but they're not and right. that's right. a blessing and and depression depression is is really just focusing on what you don't have mm. what you're missing or what you've lost yeah mm. interesting it's also one of my coaches told me it's not having something to look forward to and it's so funny because before this podcast Dalton and I were talking about it and then you brought it up and here we are all discussing it I think it's very fascinating yeah. It's like not having something to look forward to or not focusing on the good. And another thing when I arrived also, I realized that there was a lot of um, people, poor people uh, in, in New York, for example, mm -hmm. they were living close to a big park, public park. And I said, why they don't use it more often? Well, I realized little by little that many of them are working. But on the days that they don't work, or at least for a moment, why they don't do some sports? It's, it's lucky to be in Lima. In Lima is the capital. Eh? The, the, it's worse than the state of the provinces in Peru. But 
it, you are lucky if in, in Lima, living in Lima, you live near a park. So when I saw here, any neighborhood had a park. It doesn't matter. It, it's better, of course, in a rich neighborhood in Manhattan. Somewhere. But still, there is a park in any place in Brooklyn. And I said, why the, why the people are smoking? Mm. Or, or, or why they are smoking, you know, drugs? But why is it? I couldn't understand. And so I, I saw this, this wealth of opportunity here, in the sense that they're, they're, all the infrastructure, basic infrastructure, is there. But the, the thing is, comes actually from the parents too, also, oh, yeah. from the family and also the philosophy of education. The education, it complements what is happening in the family here. The family is very individual. If you, you have to buy your own, you, know, you have to help yourself, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's great to give that power, but at the same time, I think they don't transmit the way you, your parents probably became professionals mm -hmm. with also some support of their colleagues or or the libraries or something yeah. instead of saying I did this I did this because I, I am smart and I did this actually yes it was part but part of it is what you have around already you know do your some memory of family you know was more successful and you you look at that person's role model it's, mm. it's helpful so you're saying it's like the culture and your family is part of what motivates you to to get educated. Yeah, no, definitely. My parents did all these moves from different places. When I tell friends, they say we have, I have two sisters from different places in Peru that were born, and I was born also with my brother in a different town, and my other two brothers also were born in different places. They say. So you have different parents, right? No, it's the same parent. Just they, they just they were looking for better schools or better jobs. Mm. That's all why they moved. No? So then kind of was a preparation because later, even though they never visited a foreign country, I never was, I was lucky to go to a different country because my parents took me or something. Yeah. I was just really prepared mentally and and now in my education and the money I saved in Peru with my job after the MBA, I'm ready 10 years ago so to go to do my you know, advanced studies on economics. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> I did that and then for the UN also was the same thing. Because, so but then how you get the UN job, that's not, that's difficult. Everybody, you travel around the world and they all say, are you working at the UN? You must be working for the Peruvian mission. I said, no, <laughs> maybe you're working something related with your government. <laughs> no, I said, are you working for the same UN in New York? Yes. I said, mm. And I think it's also another part of the story, you know, once uh, you get accomplishment, little by little, you made your accomplishment and get bigger and bigger, you know. And, mm. and then also there is a sort of lack in the sense, when you did your job or doing your own efforts, I think comes lack. Okay, luck just come on as a ice on the cake. You know what I mean? Yeah, for example, one luck, one example. Huh? When I was admitted to, to study in New York, I was just happy that I'm going to do my advanced studies in economics, okay? Masters and PhD. Yeah, I was happy because I was 
10 years I was told I told you I was waiting for that moment you know that improving my English getting into the MBA getting good jobs and you know all this stuff you know for nine years nine and ten years when I when I was an, I applied and I was accepted and I said wow great I told my friend who knew uh, who was a professor in MBA uh, school and he said, oh, let me see the address. Okay, for me, the address didn't mean nothing. It just was the US and was going to serve. That's all I care. Okay? And then and the school that I really wanted yeah, in New York. He said, oh, you're going to be in the center of New York. Whatever he told me for half an hour, I was just listening to him, but it didn't mean much to me. He, he told me, you're going to be near the concerts, near, near the theaters, all the things that you love it. I love it just as an aficionado, but whatever he was telling me, I was didn't mean much. If it was the university was going to was going to be by chance would have been placed in Buffalo, Buffalo, yeah. in New York, I would have gone. It's still ha it's the same with the same happiness. Mm. Luck so. was that when I arrived here, and I saw that I was in Brooklyn, and the, the university was just 20 minutes from where awesome. I was really 20 minutes from Manhattan, mm. you know? And, and I said, really? This is the New York, the famous island. Mm. <laughs> it was just all luck. Because as I said, I was going to be this with the same level of happiness. If this would have been in Buffalo or any little town, you know, King would be still equally happy. Because I wanted my studies to continue at the highest level in my career. That's what, in my profession, I wanted to get to the top, the PhD. That's what I, I got the PhD idea when I was 19. I read a book by one of the big brains, Nobel Prize in Economics, Paul Samuelson, mm -hmm. and uh, and big, thick book that every student of first years of economics, and it's a Bible, right? And I noticed that he had 24, 25 years old, he finished his PhD <laughs> in, in MIT. And I said, wow! PhD in economics, and he wrote this book, basically the Bible economics, macroeconomics. I began to dream, you know, at nice. 19, and I was the first uh, student in my class, you know, I was, I liked the economics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I began to dream, 18, 19, that's it. Yeah, and the book, like, kind of helped you. Uh, yeah, the book, yeah. because it, it said there his biography. He was, a, so I wanted to be also a doctor 25, and not, I was only able to travel here when I was 30. Late, but still, it was following my dream, whatever it cost me. And then the UN also was not diff was not easy to get inside, and then to get a secure job. For years, I have worked in an insecure job inside the UN. So it was one month, two months, three months. But I knew that this was just an ice of the cake because I was suspected I was not a son from a diplomat of or an engineer from a doctor, you know. I just, uh, they made me, they they helped me to dream big. That's what they did. But not any uh, background that they were. My father was an um, ambulance driver from a, for a, from a hospital. That's mm. all he could. He didn't, couldn't finish primary school. But one thing he had to clear, he never would abandon his kids. Yeah? One. Second, he would give them the best education he, he couldn't. So I think we should start to wrap it up around here. Before we go, Alex, is there anything 
or any advice you would give to students in high school or their early years of college to help get them through it? Right. Um, the best advice is first listen to your parents when they give you advice. And the parents, when they give advice, they shouldn't give advice like you must do this. Mm. It should be always open. It's advice is advice. It means that you may take it, you may not take it. Just be sure to listen to it. Yeah, and keep Li an open mind. Listen and leave a space for the wow. kids to decide. That's very important. I like that. Very, very important. Once you put a restriction or obligation, they will not do it because they want to express themselves. When you are young, you have so much your brain developing and so much ideas you have. I know. And then my pa my father never told me you have to finish your studies or you have to be economist. Nothing. Or you have to be a lawyer or a doctor better because then we all we get healthier and stuff. No, it's just supporting whatever I want. I want to study English. Okay, let's, let's give them money for him for his studies of English, special studies at 18, 19. So that's the best advice. Listen to your parents, listen to your professors, to your, to your best teachers that you, you, you have. Uh, always see that in your family, if it's not your parents, somebody who is a role model. Follow that. What did the, visit that person? Try to see how he did it, she did it. You know? That's the first thing. I think if I would be a minister, I'm a minister or, or, or something or education or something, first thing I would do for the poor kids, all the role models in the sports, in different careers, I will I will create a fund and from the minister with, with the money of the people and that this like the lawyers also have the obligation to have pro bono for poor people to to uh, you know to assist without charging so much money mm -hmm. the same thing with the best professionals of the country that they visit they do also visit to the schools they give these advices classes to 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 in those poor neighborhoods mm -hmm. they need to role models when well, you don't have role models and you see all what it is you fall down more risk that you fall down you know so we need role models in at the executive level of government that's what we need you know that they're working part of their work of being self serving to the community to your country be you know be part your part of your year work be some hours working with them with them with the young kids that's what I would Thank you. Oh, this was great. Do you have any uh, questions for Alex, Ian, before we wrap this up? Uh, no questions, just comments. Like a lot of wisdom, a lot of good points about gratitude, finding role models or mentors, um, paying attention and keeping an open mind. Keeping an open mind, using the resources that are in front of you, looking at the positive um, as much as possible. And I think those are the main points. And yeah, guys, great episode. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Dalton, for being here with me as always. And, uh, see you thank guys you, next Dalton. Th thank you, Ian. Of course, yeah, Alex. Thank, thank you for coming today with us. Really, like Ian said, great, great stories. Uh, helped me broaden my perspective a little bit, which I appreciate. Oh, thank you. You know, it, like I said, I was saying before, it's easy to think about what you don't have. 
And then when you go around talking to people, even like role models, you're listening to your teachers or other peers, and you listen to their stories, you start to see that what you have isn't that bad. And people have gone through and prevailed through worse times and right. worse circumstances. So if it's possible for them, then it's definitely possible for you. Right. And with that, I want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Self-Improvement Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week.